You're listening to episode 129 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a maverick like me. How convenient because I literally made the show just for you. I'm a business scaling strategist that's been in the game for almost a decade now, and I'm weirdly passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, brands, and go-getters scale their businesses and their lives. Imagine taking your impact, your income, and your freedom of time to the levels that you can only dream about. Making your mission known to the world and mastering your business strategy so you don't have to keep on trading dollars for hours. I built two two two-comma businesses doing what I love, what I believe in, and a lot of that has to do with teaching you how to do the same. We drill down on strategy, but we know that it takes more than just business tactics to live the life that you envision. So we go deep on health optimization, mindset, leadership, relationships, and just being that scaled up version of you who is primed and ready to step into your purpose and peak performance. Some days I record this bad Larry from my closet to escape my three littles, and some days I'm down at my barn office on our 12-acre farm. So do me a favor, grab your notebook and a pen and your favorite bevy, and let's get to the show. I had to fill you in on this because I think it might be exactly what you've been hoping for. So we just reopened the doors to our exclusive Maverick Mastermind because we've been getting requests for it for a while now, and we are accepting applications again. But here's the deal. This Mastermind in particular, it is next level. We bring in industry leaders and experts, the ones that you admire from afar, so you can have direct access to them to help you scale your business. We have an entire curriculum we're walking you through that is going to help you change the game of how you grow your business. No more spinning your wheels, feeling like you're wasting time and money. We're going to help you become known as the go-to expert in what you do, help you nail your clarity. You will know exactly what you're called to do and how to do it, increase your visibility, help you build out your next irresistible offers because that's huge. It's going to increase your cash flow, your income levels, your overall impact that you're making. Have access to the people that you want to connect with, in-person retreats with them too. And we're really into teaching you high-level marketing strategy, stuff that's going to stick, list growth strategy so you're talking to the right people, the ones that are primed to buy what you have to offer, and helping you get the right new connections, publicity, land interviews, speaking gigs, direct access to me and my team, my incredible operations director and amazing integrator. And our Mavericks have done more in six months' time in their business than most people do in years of navigating this on your own. It is fast tracking where you want to go. And masterminds have been the single most powerful tool for growth in my business. It took me from five to six figures in the beginning years ago, and then from six to seven figures. And it is something that I love walking people through because it's so incredibly game-changing. We keep this community really tight. So if you're serious about growing your business and doing it in a way that's in integrity with your values so you can make the impact you want to make, but I believe that there's so much more to success and that's going to be making sure that you're also building in a way that gives you the time freedom so you can be with the people you love while you make the impact you want to make in your business. This is it. So don't wait because we cap this thing. We don't accept unlimited people. So you can apply at elizabethhartke.com forward slash maverick or check in the show notes and you need to apply so that we can schedule a call to see if this is the right fit. Ask whatever questions you want and see if this is the right thing both ways. I want to help you build a business that is in alignment with the vision that you have for your life. No more winging it. We've got the blueprint. Let's do this. One thing I always want to do is bring people on with different perspectives, 
experiences, businesses, viewpoints, and today we get the hysterical take from Mr. Bobby Sausalito. Bobby is a comedian, he's a commentator, and he's become this internet personality, most notably recognized on Instagram. His Instagram is at takenaps, you gotta follow him. And he is this self-proclaimed loudmouth New Englander, which I completely resonate with and respect about him. But he's living down in South Florida and he's making hysterical comedy videos about politics, the economy, current events going on in the world, uh, real estate, just roasting everything, travel, dubious observations. So listen, if you are easily triggered, I would have to imagine you're, you've already stopped listening to my show at this point, but I'll look forward to your Karen complaint email. But if you have a sense of humor and a hunger for truth and critical thinking, Bobby is your homeboy. He's certainly my homeboy too, and I've spent far too many hours, well, maybe not enough hours, I'm constantly looking for more of his content, in fits of absolute laughter from Bobby's incredible videos. And I also want to share a little bit more about his story about going viral, how he did it, what that really looks like, and how he's growing his brand from scratch. So if you don't already, check him out on Instagram. You are going to love today's episode with the guy I'm proud to have in my sphere of influence and friendship, Bobby Big Blue Sausalito. This is going to be fun. Uh, Bobby, you are our first comedian on the show. I mean, aside from myself, obviously. And I've got to tell you, the level of laughter you've brought into our home for the last few months, priceless. My kids definitely know a few new swear words, but I'm their mom, so that's not too new. And it's worth it because they walk around like yelling big blue. Um, so. Amazing. I love it. I love it. And truthfully, I'm just having you on with the hopes that I can mute my microphone and you can go on one of your 30-minute tirades, and I, that'll just be the whole show. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, okay. The Democrats. <laughs> um, so I never really like to call anyone an overnight celebrity because that would discredit, in my opinion, the decades of, of hard work that has happened behind the scenes without the credit. So I'd prefer to call a spade a spade and and acknowledge that you've been putting content out there for a while now, but yes. it's been in the last month or two that the compound effect has really kicked in. And it's been so fun to watch your well-earned rise to fame on Instagram. Yeah. Well, it, it has been, a, it has only been a couple of weeks. I don't know that I would call it fame quite yet. I don't want to get ahead of my skis, but I, uh, <laughs> I have been, I have been definitely yelling into my phone for quite some time. <laughs> and it just so happened that this particular genre of content at this particular moment in time with this special combination of a little bit more depth than just surface level slapstick um, just so happened to pop at the right moment. And I've been lucky to be enjoying whatever all this is and whatever becomes of it. And at the end of it, if I have 20 funny videos and a couple good laughs and a few new relationships, then it was all worth it anyhow. Yeah. And I think it'll be so much more than that. And really right now the world needs comedy. And we were talking about this before, um, you know, I hit record, but it needs a friggin' break from all the political correctness that's plaguing our country. And we talked about the fact we're both from new England. So I welcome the opportunity to, to be offended. I yeah. miss being offended on the regular, like people here are so painfully nice. I digress, but it, it's just like, 
we need this comedy. We need this almost a pressure release valve from how uptight everybody is right now. And in my opinion, comedy is kind of this space that should remain untouched. Like we've seen the Chris Rocks and, you know, just like name almost any comedian that people eat up. That's the point. Like you're not supposed to be politically correct. You're not supposed to come to the table, you know, not trying, you're supposed to offend people. That's like kind of what you do. That's how you get a laugh. So um, I'm just appreciative of it from that angle of like, man, we need this stuff. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that uh, if it's not, if it's not shocking, then it's something that you've already heard before. And the mm -hmm. funniest things are something that are is are things that are unique thoughts that you haven't heard that maybe that just kind of like twangs you on the inside. Like, oh man, somebody else actually thinks that as well. Like that's priceless. And then it's something that a lot of people can't say, don't want to say, don't know how to say, or don't have the ability to say. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people message me that are like, I wish I could say this, but I have a job at XYZ location and I don't want to get fired and my boss is or whatever. And and it's like, that's terrible. And like one of the other things that's been crazy is like the police officers, like these police officers are in it and they are the ones that have reached out to me privately and been like, hey, like I can't tell you where I work or who I am and my picture is, a, you know, as a pineapple or whatever. And, uh, but like you're spot on and we can't say anything or we'll get fired or, or God forbid if they get in some type of altercation and there's a picture on their Instagram or a video of them saying something is something, it's like, well, oh, you're racist. Like, uh, like, it's windy out today you're racist so yeah exactly <laughs> it's like it's unfortunate and it all of these people are are muzzled from uh from free thought and and it's scary what's up with the with the social platforms and the fact that anybody could just be like pluck you're gone like all this time and effort and um investment it's 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 frightening um and it's it is it's like you i'm like on edge like i only have a few whatever but there's guys that have like multi-million followers that it's like you could get your account pulled from whatever a platform and it's like that is scary counterproductive and it's a frightening precedent to sense to set. yeah and it's you know anti-constitutional i feel like it's tough because of course like i think if you put your stuff your content out there in a blog post like you'd so quickly get eaten alive because it wouldn't have the comedy element and it would just be speaking facts and people don't like to have their opinions pushed against and, and you share, but you're, you're not even just sharing your opinion, Bobby, like you're sharing um, critical thought. You're sharing the research that you've done beneath the opinions that we're being spoon fed. And I found that people are offended by independent thinking. Like how dare you have an opinion that society didn't spoon feed you? Like what, who do you think you are saying something that wasn't in a CNN headline? And it's so unfortunate because I say to people all the time, when I share a thought based on something that I've researched, how I choose to raise my children or what I think in business or whatever, I always say, you know, go do your own research, go be your own advocate. I don't care if ultimately in researching, you land on the opposite side of the fence from where I stand. I will be happy to know that you landed there based on actual research and, and learning and you've advocated for yourself. What I don't like is when people say, hey, Groupthink 101 sent me this email and said, I have to think this or put this on the news and said, I have to think this and you're going against that. So I choose to you know, say you're offending me instead of saying, hey, I've researched and this is the conclusion I've come to, even though I differ from you. So it, it's just like, this concept that people can't seem to wrap their head around is we don't have to all agree, first of all, and it's okay to have conversations with people who don't agree with you. And in fact, I feel like it enhances 
our lives and our minds and our ability to grow and step into the next level of leadership? Like, isn't that kind of the point? That is exactly the point. I think that it all, it all comes back to like the very beginning, which is nobody knows what's happening. And for me to say that you or the president or any person, Pope, whoever, knows more about existence than I do, I think is ridiculous. Nobody knows. We don't know what happens when we die. Most of the people don't know what happened while you're alive. So we don't know, we don't know what's happening. Let's just all agree, we're all humans. We all have the same, we all have our own perspectives and two things can be true at the same time. So if you start at the very beginning where it's just like, I don't know that I believe this person and I don't know that I believe that person and so many people have been correct. Even scientists and doctors and medical professionals over the span of human history have been correct and then later proved incorrect. So the reality is, is that number one, we don't know what this is. Number two, absolutely nobody has a better understanding of reality than you have of it because it's your own reality. And number three, you have to question every single piece of information that comes across your brain. I don't care what it is, where it is, when it is, or how it is. You have to question everything all the time, forever. And first it's life, then it's existence. It may be religion based on how you're raised. It may be, should I go to college? Everyone said I had to. It should, it's should I be friends with this person? Everyone seems to like this person. Why don't they like me? It's, oh, should I, should I play this sport or that sport? Or should I go to this place or that? Should I live in this place or this? Should I buy a house or a condo? All of these things are up to our own interpretations and more than one person can be right at the same time. So if you question everything and you believe that the world is potentially limitless and not what it seems, it causes you to question everything from your most deep core human existence to aliens, to what it means to be alive, to then bring it to this supposedly prepackaged, polished world that seems like it's all certain. And you realize that it's like, it's not necessarily what it seems and it certainly isn't what the next guy says. Um, you have to do your own research and you have to learn to understand what it is yourself and on your own all the time about everything now and to forever. Nobody knows better about how you should live your life than you. Right. And let it be because you came to that conclusion yourself, not because someone told you to have that conclusion. Sure. Why do you feel like conversations like this or, or even conversations like we we're on the same page with a lot of our thought processes, but let's say conversations where maybe you guys you and someone else don't necessarily agree. Yeah. One, why are those conversations so critical to have? And two, how do you have those conversations in an adult-like way? I feel like adulthood, I never felt, I have three kids, house, run businesses, did not feel like an adult until 2020 when I had to learn how to respectfully disagree with people like that felt like a journey to adulthood and one of my uncles who I love dearly I'll never forget it he was like giving me this piece of advice and he was so serious and I thought it was going to be this you know groundbreaking thing and he's like you know what Elizabeth like one of the most challenging things that you'll ever go through in your life is having to humbly coexist with morons and I was like Yes, that is so true. But uh, talk to me what you think about that. Like, how do you go about having these conversations respectfully? And why is it important not to just avoid them? It's not that you have to have them to change the other person's mind either. Um, so what are your thoughts? I think that I believe that the purpose of life, not the only purpose, but a primary purpose of life is to evolve. I think that's the objective. 
whether or not we lived a life before this and we evolved to a certain point and we're now into this life to evolve, who knows? You can read many lives, many masters and decide that for yourself. But the point is that I think the purpose of life is to evolve. So I'm constantly seeking whatever is gonna let me live more of my personal legend to use like the alchemist, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, how do I be the highest and greatest and best version of myself? How do I reach the pinnacle of human existence before I get purged into the ground and disappear like everybody else? Like, how do I get there? And I think that the way to get there is to be first of all open-minded and to be willing to learn and admit that you're wrong. And to me, enlightenment comes a lot from other people, a lot from introspective thoughts, but a lot of it also comes from conversations with other people. So I believe that open dialogue and conversations with people is the way that you evolve at a, at a more expedient rate. So if I'm gonna to talk to you and we patently disagree, maybe you could convince me otherwise. I'm always open to being convinced otherwise all the time about every idea now until forever. And I kind of pride myself on that. Like, I, I want you to change my mind. Like, I want you to tell me something that I didn't think of. I want you to give me an angle that I, that I otherwise wouldn't have known. And I'm, I'm open to that. And I'm certainly not gonna shut it down simply because we agree about some other surface level things. And now on, this, on the flip side of that, there are certain people that like over time you can kind of identify like, well, this, this is just not gonna work out. Like, yeah. and, and I still love those people. And, and ultimately I feel that we are all brothers and sisters. We're all humankind doesn't matter your color, race, sex, origin, whatever. It doesn't, none of that stuff matters. It's, it's our human uh, brotherhood and sisterhood. So they just simply represent probably what you would feel and how you would think if you were raised and developed with their unique set of perspectives and the unique sets of conversations and locations and experiences that they had through their journey. They are you in that position. Right. And I think that that's what's so important about the conversations is that like, we are each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I forget who said it, but like, I kind of believe that we are God, all of us together, the collective human existence, nature, the earth, animals, we are God. When you pray to God, you're praying to yourself, you're praying to the people around you and the energy fields that spin around in this mysterious ball in the middle of space that no one knows like we don't know what's going on and i think that um we all have to understand that like human existence is a moss moss only grows if the other moss around it is being fed nutrients and we need to let the the other pieces around us grow along with us and conversations and being open to new thought um is the only way that we can evolve through that i think i think one of the things i want to highlight that you said that i i just don't want to be it to be missed is this concept of like, I welcome the opportunity for you to change my mind, like bring me something that I don't yet have. Because the problem is it's really hard to do that. There has to be this massive uh, level of humility that comes with that because in doing that, it means having the humility to say, I was wrong or, you know, you are right. And that is like, we've, got big egos. So it's tough because we all come to every conversation. Like you said, perception is reality. We come to the table with our own previous experiences and perceptions of things and what we've been fed over and over or whatever we've been preconditioned to. And we come with our cognitive biases and we, it's very hard to let down that wall 
of belief because it would mean admitting that you are wrong. And there have been multiple times just in the last six months alone that I feel like I've had to overcome my own ego and say, hey, I was wrong about this. Like, for example, when COVID started versus COVID today, like in my mind, when COVID started, I was scared. I didn't know what it was. I was being really cautious. I was uh, recommending other people be really cautious. Now we have new data, new information that required me to say, I could have held on to that old thought process because I had put out there that that was my belief. And it would have been easier to just stay on that train. But instead, what I'd rather do is seek truth. So I don't have a dog in the fight. All I care about is uh, truth. I don't want to spread misinformation. Sometimes maybe I do because I don't, you know, until I get to a new level of truth. But the point is I had to get to this place where I was willing to say, man, I was really wrong about that. And that's a really tough thing. And when we come into conversations with people who... And it's not to say that every time you come into a conversation, you should be trying to convince someone else of something or that they should be doing the same, but um, the willingness to at least let down your guard enough to, to welcome the opportunity to be wrong can be a really big gift in growth. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I like, I remember like I've, I've gone way down the rabbit hole when I finally, when I started to kind of realize that like what everybody says to be true is not necessarily true. The first time I kind of realized that was like with college. All of my buddies were going off to college and accumulating this debt, and then only to only to graduate in 2008 and get clapped by the by the economy getting destroyed. And I just started doing a lot of research. And I remember when I dropped out of college, I remember being like, "All right, this is the sum of all of my formal intelligence. Like, that's it. There's no more school. No one's educating me. I have to become a student." of life and I have to figure out how to educate myself about all things, how to make money, where to go, what to do. Like, I'm not gonna have somebody spoon feed it to me anymore. And I started going into things like quantum physics and I started researching like the meaning of life and all this depth. And like one of the things that really stuck with me was the idea that like if lightning strikes and you're a mile away and if lightning strikes and you're 10 feet away, it strikes a, a time for the guy that's 10 feet away and a different time for the guy that's a mile away. And both of you are correct, it struck now. And it's just about the whole perspective. And nature is like a, is a lesson for all other things. And it's just like, if something is true in nature, it is oftentimes true in life. And, and recognizing that there's that difference in the lightning strike because of how you process that light. It's like the same thing. Like we can both be right about the same thing. And I think that that's why in school, I really loved, um, I really loved English because I could write a paper that was completely different than you and we could both get 100. But mm-hmm. in math, my, my science and math buddies are like, that's preposterous. Like, you, like I want to know that the seven plus 36 equals whatever and divided by whatever and here's the number. And I'm just like, you know what's crazy about math is there's multiple ways to get to the same conclusion in math as well. And yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a math scholar, so I hope nobody zaps me with that. But I do believe that that is true. So um, I think that that's the thing. It's like you got to question everything and per- perception is, uh, is really important. Yeah, totally. So let's talk a little bit about your kind of your career and, and okay. So for those who haven't had the pleasure of tuning into uh, Bobby's content, nobody racist. <laughs> you're missing out. <laughs> I can't even really think about it while we're talking. Cause I just, I lose it. The one about uh, that everything's illegal and the straw crushing on itself in the, the paper straw in the smoothie. I had that experience like the week before I saw that video. So I was like in tears because anytime a, co- a, a comedian puts out content that I just lived through, it's like a thousand times funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk to me about that. Like, when did you start dabbling in comedy? 
And what has the path leading up to now, as things are starting to go a little more viral for you, what was it like pre-virality? So when I, I, when my, when I first got on Instagram, I always, when I was in high school, I was like one of the first guys to, I was the first person that I knew, and at least in my social circle that had a website. The, the origin story, to summarize it in one minute is this. I grew up in a small town, I was 13, I used to have to ride my bike to the town pool to socialize with people. I broke my collarbone trying to answer a cell phone on my bike when I was 13, I broke my collarbone, had no way of riding to the town pool. All my social interaction for the summer was cut. So I was sitting at home on the computer and I had no way to communicate with people. So I built this small website of like funny memes and whatnot as a way of communicating with people. And I would send it to people on AOL and Semester. And we would all chat back and forth and people were like, oh, this is so hilarious. So after a while, I, after a while, I built a website and I realized that if I could create content um, in my downtime, I could use that as a way of communicating to people and, and opening new conversations. So over the years, I was always like a web development guy and I always kind of like thought I had a funny edge, but didn't really know what would become of it. When Instagram came around, I was like, oh, I'm like, I used to think in high school, like I'm this great photographer. So I was one of the first people to like have a video camera, have a photo camera, take a picture of a tree or a lake or a river. But like when Instagram came out, now everyone's a photographer. There's filters, there's a, you know, not, you didn't have to have Photoshop to be making beautiful photos. And I'm like, ah, I'm no longer unique. I'm gonna take a picture of a tree like everybody's doing this better than me. I'm just gonna focus on the web where I have an advantage. Um, so I didn't really take Instagram very seriously. Over time, as I started to gain traction, I realized that this was a good medium for like documenting your thoughts. And in its own way, it is a website. And if people are there consuming it, I gotta have a website in this community to disseminate my thoughts. So I made an Instagram and like didn't really think much of it, took pictures of myself, recorded videos at concerts, like had fun with it and just made it like kind of a joke, but never really thought of it as anything more than that. Then a couple years later, um, I felt my folks and I invested in a spec house, a spec real estate house. We basically purchased a kind of like a distressed property, bulldozed it, built a new house with the intention of selling it. And it was this fun new journey, like I'm investing in real estate and this is gonna be fun, whatever. I don't know how to build anything. I could barely hang a picture on the wall. I don't know anything about real estate, but I wanted to invest in something tangible because my whole life, you know, my dad would be like, you know, I understand that you're in this internet stuff, but it's intangible. I can't walk through it. It's not a roof over my head. I can't feel it or touch it. And they never understood. So I'm like, let me, let me invest in the tangible world. So we invested in this house. After the house got bulldozed, there was this empty lot. And one night I went outside and there was a porta potty in the lot because we had a we had a contractor that was building the house for us and there was just a porta potty in this empty lot and i was like that's, that's hilarious the first thing that came here is this porta potty so like i was kind of lit i went out in the middle of the night and i'm like yo there's a porta potty in this stupid lot like look at this it's hilarious like if you guys need a place to take a dump like come through like you know come to my street and take drop a heater and like the next morning <laughs> the next morning people are like that's hilarious like do more porta john stuff so what i realized is like there's going to be people over here every single day for the next six to nine months doing stuff at this house. So every day I would go over there and be like, yo guys, we got a trailer. Yo, there's a, uh, there's a sprinkler, sprinkler here. And then like, like, oh, there's a couple cinder blocks or like, here's a brick or a tube or a stick or a rod or whatever. And every day at like four or five o'clock when the guys left, I would just go out, turn the camera on myself and I'd be like sticks and tubes and logs and rods and look at these fucking trees. And I would just, just rip and, Every day, people would be like, yo, this is hilarious. This is absolutely, like, make more. Please make more. And um, I documented over 150 five-minute Instagram stories of me documenting this house being built. 
from literally the porta potty in the lot to the house being built, developed, and sold. Pool, for sale sign, closed deal. And at the end of it, I was like, oh no, like I don't have any more material. And like at the, I was like, I was hitting at the end because every day I would go over there and have catchphrases and I, I called the bathroom the poop chamber. And like, there was just so many things that were hilarious. And I had all these catchphrases. I'm like a linguist of sorts. I like to make up words. <laughs> So I ran out of material and I was like, shit, I literally thought about like doing something to my house purely for the, for the oh material. my gosh. I was like, oh, I got to build like a pool or like I got to knock a wall down or some shit. Um, anyways, so I eventually realized like I don't have a flow of material. I, I was, I was always facing the camera out and then putting it back on me for a couple zips, but it was always like, look at this fucking tube. I didn't have that like, like confidence, not confidence, but I didn't think it was relevant to just show right. my stupid face. So I was like, I was like, oh, this dude's hilarious. I would kick bags around and kick the dirt around and the workers would leave their food everywhere. It was, it was ridiculous. But anyways, so I started, I started, um, I would walk my dog around the neighborhood and I realized that there's a lot of ridiculous houses in my neighborhood. There, I was like, there's a fucking mailbox duct taped to a tree or like this guy has an air conditioner in the front of his house or, or like this tree is all scraggly and like has no leaves. Like get rid of the tree or like cut your grass. Like what are you doing? So I started roasting houses in the neighborhood and I'd be like, yo, hood roast. And I would go and roast houses in the neighborhood. Eventually I ran out of houses to roast and I started driving to other neighborhoods. Oh my gosh. To like roast houses. And people would be like, kind of looking at me with like the stink eyes I drove by. And I was like, I can't do this. Like I'm gonna have to drive further and further away. And I just saw the writing on the wall, I'm gonna run out of stuff. So I tried roasting like Airbnbs and then I started roasting my own house. Like during quarantine, I'd be like, ah, what do I think I am painting this freaking sidewalk? And I would uh, just make these dumb videos. Anyways, again, the information, the like the news was always, it was always like limited. I can only show my own backyard so many times. I've always paid attention to money, the economy, finances, the government, politics, just as a way of trying to figure out how to make sure that my business is not at risk, make sure that my income is still there, make sure that I am protected. Um, and I'm always been a seek, I've always been seeking the truth. So I was like, you know, I'm always looking at this political stuff. Like, let me just start making some kind of like political, more like what the hell are these guys doing kind of videos because I just thought it was so ridiculous and funny just in and of itself. Um, yeah. So I started just talking about these egregious like rules and then put, put quarantine in and you see all this stuff that you've never seen before. Like, Oh, like you can't go outside without a mask on. Uh, it's legal to breathe. Uh, no, you can't sit in a restaurant after 5 p.m. There's all this, like all this malarkey. And I'm just like, ah, oh, this is so ridiculous. I just had to like vent it. And the first video was like a combination of like all this frustration just packaged together at the right moment. I heard a news story that was so insane. And then I had a couple other things in the hopper and I just like turned the camera. I was like, yo, like New York, what are you at? Like, what are you doing? And that video just like blew out. And after that one, I'm like, wait, I got, I got about a hundred other ridiculous things that I could talk on. And I just started ripping them. And now I've got probably like 15 or 10 or 12, or I don't even know. And like people message me every day, I get probably 200 DMs a day, like, yo, make more. I love this, makes my day. It, like I was depressed and now I'm happy. And it's been mind blowing. I've been reached out by people all over the world. And like, that is the story.
That is so cool. So how long did it take you to make one of these videos? Because when you guys go and start consuming Bobby's content, which I'm sure you will binge after this episode, um, you'll see that like they range what, like two minutes to maybe five, six minutes. They're not super long, but how long does it take you to put together, including the research time? Because if you listen to his stuff, he's not just spitballing on nothing. Like he's giving you facts. He's giving you like, he'll watch an entire press conference and then break it down. So that's time consuming stuff, I'd imagine. It is. Here's the thing. The beautiful thing about it is that when it comes to news and the government, they are rife with ridiculous happenings. And <laughs> it's with like a never ending drip of material, which is amazing. Right, true. I was already paying attention. I used I listened to Ben Shapiro. I listen to Ben Shapiro almost every day. I listen to the Daily Wire almost every day. I listen to Stephen Crowder, Peter Schiff, Zero Hedge. Um, wearechange.org, and I'm a I'm a student of this just in and of itself because I want to I want to know that my bullshit meter is laser focused when somebody comes at me with some, some ridiculous stuff. So I'm always like tuned in just inherently. So I was already doing like conservatively two to four hours a day of like passive research and thinking. I'd be like building a website or working on my business, and I would just be listening to whatever they're saying. And I consume probably like three to four hours a day of media just in general so that I stay woke. Um, and now that the videos are there because I have to, because I have to produce at such a, at such a rate that I think is necessary in order for me to continue rising. Now it's like, now it's a little bit more of a job and I'm considering it to be that because I want to make sure that it hits. I don't want to just be like, Oh, let me wait three days until something comes along and then I'll zap it. I am like, all right, what's today's material. So now it, it probably takes me, it probably takes me two hours of just pure thought, like just literally thinking as I'm at the gym, um, thinking about what I heard in the podcast today on top of the research that I'm already doing just for myself. Um, but it probably takes me like two hours of thought. I try not to, I email my stuff ideas at night. And then when I wake up in the morning, as I walk my dog, I, I think of the zaps. Like I yeah. thought of like LL on Cool J in the morning walking the dog. You know, I, I thought of um, a lot of the nicknames I think of in the morning walking the dog. I focus on what I'm going to say in the first clip. That's usually like the thing that I focus on the most. And then I have a general idea of the topics I want to talk about, but I just focus on hitting on that first 15 second clip. And then the rest of it, I kind of just rip off whatever my notes or whatever comes to me naturally. If I, if I try to make it contrived, it, it goes against what was so magic about it in the first place. Um, Absolutely. So I just yeah. try to like have some notes so that I'm hitting you with, so I'm not bullshitting. Um, but I try to just like do it on the rip and I, I literally, I use that 15 second hold in Instagram to let me know that like, this is a unique thought and it go to the next. And sometimes it I goes like on that. and sometimes it goes on and people love the jump cuts cause it's like a quick pop. Um, but I'm not afraid to go longer. Like I did an hour live stream that had 200 people in it. Um, I did like an 18 minute one where I explained my position on like how I voted for Obama and how I came to all this cause I wanted to document it. My video today was like six, seven minutes, and the one yesterday was like two. So I'm still exploring, but I, I don't want to make the mistake of thinking that it has to be any specific way. I'm just going to keep doing it as I'm doing it, and if it comes, it comes, and if it doesn't, whatever. Like, I'm just going to let it ride, and where it goes from here and what happens next is not a focal point. It's not a focus right. for me because I believe that you can get in your own head. When I made the first video, um, I didn't post the following day. And then by the third day, I was like, oh, it's Saturday. I, I got to post another one. And I felt this pressure. Like, what yes. if I post this one and it gets five, 50 views when I just got 50,000? 
um, and I felt this pressure. And like my second video was my most second most popular video. Um, and I just realized that like the material is good because it comes from a whole lifetime of all this stuff together. Mm -hmm. And I just have to just keep doing it. And if people are going to ask me for it, I'll do it as long as they ask me for it. And I'm, I'm very, very tuned into the signals of people and how they're responding. In business, I always thought like, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how I have to make it because I know better than everything. And I would always be like, here it is, it's packaged. Don't you want this? Right. And when I didn't get the response, I was like, son of a like, here I was thinking I'm so genius, but I didn't respond to the signals. Um, yes. This time I'm like all signals. I read every single comment. I receive, I read every single DM. I watch every video that people send me. I like and respond to every comment. I look at every single share. The first, the first seven days, any person that followed me that had a red circle on them for the today's story, I would watch their entire story to see if they shared more. Every single person, thousands of people. I was on Instagram for the first seven days, all day. I didn't like my relationships, my friends. Like I didn't talk to anybody. Like my mom called, I'm like, mom, like I gotta go. Like I'm, I'm fighting this right now. I can't do it. I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be looking at these stories, dog. I was at the gym. Like, and it's like, I just like, I, again, it's like, I gotta be a student on discipline to know that like the market is the market, the market speaks. And if you don't give them what they want, um, you know, it's not going to work out. Do you, okay. So I feel like you just like entrepreneurship, success and growth 101. One, listen to what your market's asking for. Keep a finger on the pulse, respond and give them what they want to be receiving versus like you said before, so many entrepreneurs freaking create in a vacuum, say, here are my thoughts. My, like we just said, like perception is reality. So you're creating based on your own perception, your own experiences and expecting the world to be like, oh, I've been dying for this. Instead of saying, doing the, the, the tougher work, I think of connecting, engaging, finding out what people are asking for. What are their pain points? What are their struggles? What do they want more than anything? And then creating based on that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the fact that you stopped saying, how can I create this in a way that it's going to benefit me? And what I like, how is, what is this doing for me? And instead saying, what do I want this to be in it for them? Like, how can I provide value? And I'm not going to worry about all those details. I'm just going to provide. And you're as consistent as anyone like every day you're showing up and you're responding and you're creating new content like that is for anyone listening we could do like a part b on just how to actually grow a successful business that people want to be a part of it's not because you are a genius and you've packaged something based on what you think is great it's because you've actually paid attention to what people need and what people want and then you show up and give it to them yeah. and uh <laughs> remind me to tell you after we stop recording a lot easier way than going through every new follower and watching to see if they shared it to see if your video has been shared. It'll take okay. about a split second. <laughs> well, I know, I know that you can see when you've been tagged in stories. No, not tagged. Well, so, cause sometimes people would just share the clips and not tag me. Yes. You can still see it. We may as well enlighten everybody listening. So when you go into oh. your, when you go into your post, right. That you like your video that you put up top, I believe in the top right, there are like the three little, the ellipses, the three little dots. You yeah, click that, yes, and you can see the public reshares. Are you trying to see beyond the public reshares? When I looked at, when I look in the public reshares in my Instagram account, it was saying that there were none. Oh. 
and there was and there was tons of them okay so you know what that could be is that a lot of your followers might not have public accounts well they were they had public accounts so that i could and i could see like i don't i don't follow like the private when a private account follows me i don't always follow it back so right. I, I wasn't following lots of private. I got you. Okay. okay. The story reached, like literally that function, I believe was, wasn't working was buggy, honestly, because yeah. I'm like a technology nerd. Like I'm all in and that, that's a good point, but literally it didn't say that they were. There. Yeah. Then it must've not been working for you. I've run into a significant amount of glitches on, on Instagram specifically where like something won't work for a while and then it shows back up later or like I'll be getting, Same. you know, a certain thousands of views on my stories one week and then it like dips 50% and it's, it's insanely frustrating, which is why um, I'm eager to see you branch beyond social at some point too, so that you are uh, securing your, your business. Cause I get so nervous with how touchy these social media platforms are these days, not even touchy. They are on a freaking mission to shut down anyone that doesn't pushes, push the agenda that makes them more money, but yeah. that's a different talk for a different day. So agreed. I think I'm just loving the way you are doing this. It's like so organic. And that's, that's the beauty of building something with strong roots. So like you can run ads to stuff, you can do collaborations, all this stuff. It's great. It's good marketing strategy. But when you put out content that is stuff, like I, I told you guys, like I'm literally going to Bobby's page being like, what the hell? This video's not up yet. And I'm having a shitty day. And I'm like really depending on this right now. So like, it's obviously working. <laughs> Uh, so when you can provide content at that level, and maybe it's obviously like not everybody's a comedian, but maybe it's like, man, I'm putting out content, teaching you how to ex ex scale your business or I'm content teaching you whatever, how to can vegetables better than last week when you canned vegetables. I have no clue, but, um, you're putting stuff out there that people are actually like seeking you out for it. That organic nature of growth builds roots so deep that even when social media platforms change, even when more people come on the scene, you're rooted. So it's like, you know, the storms come and go, they're not going to knock you over. They're not going to like rip out your roots. You still have substance and something that people are asking for. So I love seeing that organic growth. Just give people an idea. Cause I don't know the exact numbers and maybe you don't either, but like last month, what did you, when you pre the like viral stuff happening and today, I believe I saw today you had like uh, eleven thousand point seven followers. Yep. How many followers did you have before this started going viral? Um, sixteen hundred, and that this was is like all in a matter of how many weeks? Four. Okay. Yeah. So, That's just like giving people some evidence of so how this, powerful this is. This uh, this actually it's actually less. I don't know what the date is. Today. I think it's September tenth. So the first the, I had sixteen hundred followers on August twentieth which was the day that I posted the video. Dang. So it's That's been 11, amazing. it's been, it's been 21 days and I've got 11,700. So that's what 10,000, 10,000 pick up. I'm probably, I'm adding close to between 200 and 450 followers a day, every day. Um, my videos, the, I've been paying attention to a couple of metrics. Um, my, my most important one to me that I've been just kind of gauging is how many views it gets in the first hour. Mm. Uh, the first, the first couple of videos, it was getting like five to 600 and now it's getting like about 1800 views in the first hour. That's and awesome. It usually follows a thousand views an hour for the first six to eight hours. Um, so most of the videos that I've been posting that are in my traditional format, me yelling and riffing, um, are getting probably like, usually like at minimum eight to 10,000 at minimum. 
Some that's of them are doing, some of them are doing 25,000. And this is the thing, this is the thing that's so astronomical about this that I could have never foreseen. You ask any person or you go online and you look at any account, the views on a video are between 10 to 30% of their total follower base day to day. And I know it's only 11 days and I know we're working with small numbers and hopefully this continues, but who knows, but I have 11,000 followers and my videos are often hitting more than 11,000 views, which yeah. means that I'm getting 100% of my follower base is consuming these videos. And it isn't hundred percent of my follower base. It's a lot of accounts that are not following me, like right. um, about 10 to 15% of my views daily are from not following me, which means that 85% of the people that follow me watch my video every day. That's amazing. An astronomical number. And in some cases, the one, like in the case of the 50,000, you're talking about 600% on a, on a video. So if you, I was just telling my friend last night, if you tally up the amount of page of views that I've got on these videos just in the last 21 days, it's probably close to like almost a half a million now. And if you account, if you account for the other accounts that reposted in other places, People have been seeing Bobby's stupid mug a half a million times in the last 20 days. That's hilarious. I mean, what? That's so funny. So it's like, I just think that that's so amazing. And like, if I could keep it at that level, um, half a million in 20 days, it seems to me like I could be at a million views a month in short order, especially if I keep hitting. And especially if I get it to the point where people are like, like reliant on it. Like, yeah. you know, it's coming. Yeah. You're like addicted to it. And I'm that way with content. Like, at one o'clock, if Ben Shapiro doesn't post his freaking thing, I'm like, yo, Ben, like, where you at? Though? Like, well, I need this, bro. And, like, fiending. I need the, I need the facts. Like, I remember the day, uh, the day he had his baby was like, I don't know, it must have been like a month ago or something. I'm like, yo, it was like three o'clock. I was like, well, where's the video? Like, where the hell is this video? And he came out the next day. I was like, sorry, I wasn't around say Like, I was having a child. And I'm like, yo. Unacceptable. Yeah, you could have from the hospital day. Like, come on, we need this. So right. I intend on creating that level of reliance in it because I like I love comedians so much, and I love absolutely nothing more than measured expectations. Mm. I know you're gonna hit me with it all the time. I know when it's coming. I know like nothing bothers me more than when I have my DVR set to record a show every Sunday, and that Sunday is a skip. And I go to sit down at 10.01 and I'm like, no, like, uh, like, like I watched that show Billions and like after COVID, there's just the, the episode stop. I was like, what am I going to do now, dude? So <laughs> I, I believe that that's my intent is to like make it so that there's reliance so that if people are fiending it, I'll give it to you and I'll do the absolute best that I can to go as many days as I can in a row. And I'm just going to put my all into it. If people are going to give me the signals, I'm going to, um, I'm going to try to service them with as much good as I can. And like, you're not the only person that messages me sure. like, or not. You haven't messaged me, but people message me and they're like, yo, like, where's the, like I need that hit. Dude. Like, where's, the, where's the, where's the shot? Um, so. I know it's unbelievable. Really and it's like that it's all rooted in the fact that you're giving people what they're asking for and you're mm -hmm. showing up big and Okay. So while we're on the topic of kind of on business and like that concept of giving value and whatever, it seems like you're pretty well-versed and interested in finances and smart business and some foundational things like, you know, time freedom and security. That's like, those are big values that our, our audience really seeks. Um, what would you say, like, what's some advice or guidance you would give to the entrepreneurs listening or the business owners listening who, you know, they want to scale their, <clears throat> excuse me, they want to scale their business. They want to go to the next level. 
like some just even high level strategies or thoughts that they should be taking into account as they do that outside of the average, like here's your marketing strategy and here's like business 101, but things from that critical thinking perspective. The first thing that there's so, I mean, it's, it's so loaded. The first thing that jumps out to me is what I believe was a huge roadblock for me in business growing up where it was the, it was the mentality of excuses. I love there's Tony Horton the, from P90X has this quote where he goes, excuses are self-imposed obstacles that prevent I you from Tony. having a better life. It's like my, one of my favorite quotes. When I was first getting into business, I'm like, if I only had $10,000, I would be able to grow my business. If I only had $50,000, sure. I'd be able to grow my, if I only had money or a backer or a financier or a, or a mentor or some, or if I could, and what it really, what that really is saying is you're saying, I'm going to dismiss responsibility for my lack of success and blame it and associate that blame with lack of cash, lack of resources, lack of relationships, lack of knowledge or whatever. And I'm going to dismiss my own personal responsibility for why this is not successful. Money is not a solution. I love Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite business people on the planet. And she has so many fire quotes where she talks about how money, money is actually more of an issue than not. And Damon John talks about this too, like the power of growth. And, um, and Andy Frisella talks about this as well. Being, being strapped and having a strap of cash and your back up against the wall causes you to be resourceful, resourceful with your time and your effort. So that only the, only the most critical elements rise to the top. It's the Pareto principle, 80, 80, 20. 20% of your efforts will give you 80% of your returns. So it's like, if you can figure out how to eliminate that 80% that is non-trivial to the growth of your business and focus on the 20%, you win. Because if you focus on that 20, then you can just expand upon that. And that's how you grow big. I think that this, this if only I had, specifically as it relates mm -hmm. to money and mentors, um, is a huge, it was a huge crutch that people place in front of themselves as the, as the theoretical obstacle to why they can't get ahead. And really it's just dismissing your own responsibility for your lack of progress. And well, isn't that the, the narrative that the world push, pushes on us? Like mm -hmm. don't take ownership. Yep. You're, you're black. Everything's stacked against you. You're, you're born into this protected class. Everything's stacked against you. When in actuality, like it's, this is the most even, even that the playing field has been in the history of human existence. And look, life, life is not perfect. People are not perfect. Nature is not perfect. Nothing is perfect. There's going to be gives and takes and, and life isn't fair. Like, let's cut the shit. It's not fair, but you have to do the best that you can. And there's, and to think that you are, that you have the deck stacked against you because of A, B or C reason is ridiculous. This one guy messaged me, or this one guy followed me on Instagram back when I was first getting going. And I, and he had a blue check mark and I'm like, Yo, blue check? like let's go, what's up? And I looked at his page. I think his name is Kyle Maynard. And I look at this guy. I love Kyle. Dude, I like, I figured, I he's a legend. Yeah, I look at this guy's thing and I'm like, yo, this dude climbed a mountain with no fucking limbs. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what the fuck? Oh, I can't because I don't have whatever. It's like, it's so preposterous. There's so many people that use these excuses. I'll never forget when I was at the bar a few years back and I was like trying to talk to some girl, you know, like on the street. And she was like, gave me the, gave me the hand real quick. I'm just like, when I was all, these chicks, you don't understand. So I'm amazing. Like, why? And I started, and I started jazzing with this dude. And 
he, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, it's, it's hard out here. And I was like, yeah, no, I feel that. And like, he's just like, imagine what it's like for me. And he turns over and he has no arm or no hand. Like it's disconnected as his, his elbow. He's like, dude, you don't even understand. You got two arms. He's like, he goes, I'll be dancing with a girl, vibing out with a girl and her friends will see that I don't have a hand. And they'll be like, Jennifer, like, and they'll just like pull her away. <laughs> like, we gotta go. And like, even girls that even girls that he's vibing with will get pulled away because they're like, he's a freak or he's a weirdo. And it's just like, oh, and I feel so terrible for this guy. And there's a lot packed into that. But the point was is that like here I was thinking that it was, oh, that stacked against me because of A, B, or C reason, or I'm not good looking enough, or my shoes aren't nice enough, or I'm too this or that. And like here's this guy that objectively has a more difficult path than me and here i am like drowning in my own self-loathing soup while this guy is over here with more of a with you know with with more of a of a struggle so i think that the thing that's crazy about it all is that the obstacles that we have just naturally ultimately become the greatest catalyst for our success it's like the people that have been beaten down and downtrodden, but actually turn that into something amazing are often the people that you see the most. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at these famous musicians, like they had a bag of shit childhood. Sorry for the um, No, you're good. But yeah, like they got a bad childhood or they or their their dad told them they're an asshole or whatever. And like the world rises to meet them because they take the shit and instead of dying in it. They use that as a as the fuel to power their rocket ship to the moon. And it, these things that often hurt us are the are the very things that give us the greatest advantages. Mm. I was listening to Andy Priscilla yesterday, and Andy Priscilla, for those who don't know, CEO of First Form, massive nutrition supplement company, two hundred million dollars a year in revenue, growing. The guy's huge, and he talked about how when he was in his early twenties that he got stabbed, and he got stabbed in the face. And, and it was like, he had this crazy, he had this crazy like facial scars and all this stuff. And he said that at first he was in, he's in retail and people would be like, oh, I don't want to look at his face. Like, I want to look at the ground, uh, you know, and it was really difficult for him in retail. And then later on in life, they remembered him because of his face scar. So when he was at a business conference, they'd be like, you know, Andy, the guy with the scar. Oh yeah, Andy. And it became, it became the single thing that made him memorable that now helped him catapult to that success. And on top of all that, what a great story. Like people love stories and here we are telling it and disseminating that story out into the, out into the stratosphere. So it's just like, if you think your shit's rough, that may be the single ingredient to your most pure and raw success. And it's just like, we need to understand that we are personally responsible for all things that, that come into us. And Tony Robbins, the man, one of his, one of my favorite quotes from him is life happens for us, not to us. And he's like, once you change that, that mentality, you understand that this is all a gift, all every negative, every kick down, every, every shove in your face in the dirt is nothing more than the opportunity to rise at a much more expedient clip. And and one thing, when I talk to people that are like depressed or, or pumping out or going through a time where things are low, I always say like winners bounce off the bottom. If you just hit the bottom of the pool and you sink, you're dead. You're dead and you're never going to have a chance. Winners take that bottom and they spring off of it. And it is, it is at the moments where you are at your absolute lowest that you have the greatest opportunity to jump up. It's again, it's like, it's like nature and the, and the lessons that nature teaches us. If you're at the bottom of the pool and you're scrunched, scrunched all the way down, you have the full force of your legs to spring you out. If you're just touching it, you can't get as much of a bounce. 
So life is the same way. If you're down at the very bottom, you have all the strength of your legs to blast you out of that water. And mm -hmm. it is those people that are at the very bottom that have the greatest opportunity to rise at the, at the most expedient rate, in my opinion. I completely agree. And I can't wait to hear how many people are offended by the thought of everything you just said. Yeah, I mean, such is life. Right. And it, but it's, <laughs> it's like the, um, you know, we're not, it's not to discredit the people who have been dealt like truly terrible hands in life. Yeah. I mean, like we see it all the time. Like I, I, we are, um, big mouthpieces for anti-human trafficking. We use a lot of our proceeds of our company to fight human trafficking. I can't even like every night when I go to bed, like half of my prayers are for those children that are suffering the worst, most imaginable crimes you could ever imagine. Yep. The fact that they don't have um, a loving home to just wrap them up and, and take care of them blows my mind. Can't even yep. go there. But anyway, it's like when they come out of those situations, they are not responsible for what happened to them. Like the, the, the worst of the worst of the worst things imaginable they are however unfortunately it's on them and they are responsible for what they choose to do with it from there yes. so they, they they don't have to take ownership of what was done to them they have to take ownership of what they choose to do moving forward and that's for all of us and it's the i don't know if you've ever read the book extreme ownership with jocko wilnick oh man you'd eat that up listen to it on audio over reading it because you get to hear it from a, a war vet and he's just like amazing the way he, he shares this concept of just taking extreme ownership, especially in business. It's like, I can't tell you how many failures I've had. It's, but a lot of those rock bottom moments, like you talked about, are the, were the catalyst for me being like, shit, I don't like life being like this. So I better change something and pivoting and learning from those mistakes. And then I didn't make those mistakes again, but I made new ones and then learned from those. And it's like, man, you're never going to please everybody. Some people take offense to the fact that, you know, we're saying something along those lines, but that's, those probably aren't our people anyway. And I have one more question for you because you do talk about some polarizing topics and things that need to be talked about. And quite frankly, I'm obsessed with all of it, but I know not everybody is. So when you get, especially in the comedy space, like I said, I feel like that should be like the safe zone where people can say anything offensive yeah. because that's comedy, but whatever. Um, whatever <laughs> you take that personally or does that roll off your back does it um curious if you've been getting like messages from people who are being you know kind of just haters and like to like be little trolls that be like i don't like you and i don't like what you say it's like well here's the unfollow i send the screenshot of how to unfollow all the time it's like that's my response here's the unfollow button no one's holding the gun to your head like don't let the door hit you on the way out but i'm curious how you handle that like does it ever kind of sting or are you just pretty immune to that i think that you know we're all human if somebody if somebody's throwing hate at you it's, it's obviously never good um, yeah but you know i've been lucky i mean it's only been a short period of time but i've actually had the vast overwhelming majority of the outreach has been positive i've had a few people tell me i'm this or that um or insult me but here's kind of like my my disposition to those types of things. When I was younger, I'd be like, oh, let me look at their page and like rip them right back. Sure. Um, and I thought of that like defense mechanism. But what I realize now and like, and like Gary Vee talks about this a lot, which I think is amazing. <laughs> those people are hurting. And oftentimes, oftentimes people hurt from below, not, you know, they hate from below and not from above. And those people are hurting for one reason or another. And the times that I've been the most irrational and the things that I've said to other people have been when I have other things that are bothering me. I mean, you know, like, like think about like, um, 
you know, like the bully in high school or like in Billy Madison or whatever, like the guy that's the bully beating up kids at school is like in his ass kicked by his dad. And it's like, this is the only place that they can exercise their power. I think that a lot of those people are hurting inside. They're frustrated with their own life. They're frustrated with whatever. And they want to know that, that they can take control over getting a rise out of you. Um, and whether or not they're mad at me specifically or mad at themselves, and this just happens to be the way that they vented, who knows, but I, it, it doesn't bother me in the sense that like, I feel more bad for them mm -hmm. bad that they think that that's what they need to do with their time today. I responded, I've, I've responded to a few people that have hated on me in the DMs and I'm like, dude, like, I'm sorry that you feel that way. You know, like I'm open to having a conversation with you and other guys just want to tell me I'm a piece of shit and that's okay. Um, but I, I said to some, I said to, um, I said to a nice girl in my DM today or a woman in my DM today, I was like, if you're not getting dissent, then you're not saying anything, you're not saying anything of real value. People are going to dissent against all things that have real substance, yeah. even things that, even things that seem inherently and, and, and so obviously good. Like, hey, you should spend money on marketing. Well, I should spend money on marketing. You should just come to me. Like people are going to hate on any variety yeah. of so I just think that if you're not saying anything of substance, like if you're, you're not saying, if you're saying something of substance, you're going to get dissent no matter what. Um, you know, and if you don't want any dissent, don't say anything at all, because yeah. that's the thing. You gotta, you gotta be willing to accept that. And you know, what's so amazing in life, people could, people could rail on Trump all they want, but this dude has been ripped up and down by more people on this planet than any person that I've ever seen. And to think that a guy that was a billionaire that was generally like liked by pretty much most people, um, every community of people, to think that he would tee himself up for that type of hatred and vitriol for the rest of his life, I think is, is, is quite interesting. It makes you wonder like why he's doing it. But this mm -hmm. guy takes every insult from every person up and down and he's just Teflon Don. And I, I have a lot of appreciation for the fact that he's willing to accept it. Does he respond well to it all the time? Not necessarily, but, but I think that it's amazing that in order to get to that level, in order to be a thought leader, in order to be a true leader, you got to know that people are going to hate. And like yeah. being the leader at a company, like I had employees and they're just like, oh, Bobby's such a prank. He's making me work. Like everyone's going to always have hate. Yeah. Um, but if you look, if you, I always like another one of my favorite quotes, is like if you want to lead the orchestra, you have to face your back to the crowd. And that's the thing is like, I need, I'm doing this. You hit me. Yeah. I'm, I'm on this thing. If you want to, if you want to be in the 1%, you have to not think like the 99%. And that's the game that I'm on. That's the path that I'm on. That's the mission that I'm on, not only financially, but in life and thought and friendships and relationships and through all of the things. If you're going to trip me up and my ability to excel to the highest version of myself, you're out. And that's it. And it, that's, that thoughts are out. That's people are out. That's experiences are out. Anything that does not elevate me in some way or another to the highest and best version of myself is not worth experiencing. Our time is limited. Time is of the utmost value. We got to be hitting at the highest level. And you know what's that? You know what else? It would be a disservice to your soul to not do the highest, greatest, most challenging and best thing that you could ever do in the history of time ever. It would be a disservice. I remember back in the day, I used to think like, how do I be heroic? How can I do something that's heroic? And then I would be like, oh, like I could be the president. I could be a president and go to Yale. Well, here's the thing. It's like, I so happen to be, I so happen to hit the absolute lottery, right? I'm, I'm an English speaking white male born in America in the 21st century. You know, 
And I have parents that love each other that are still together after 30 some odd years. I have great friends, great family. I'm, I, I, got, I was born with what I believe is a gift in a lot of ways of, of critical thinking and family that, that helped encourage me. And I, got, I, I hit the jackpot. So to think that I couldn't be the most significant thing to ever be a thing is a preposterous and self-destructive thought. We all have that. And you don't have to be white male or born in America. So it's like, when I think about like all the greatest people that have ever existed in the history of time, it's like, we can all get there despite that. But for me to not try to get there because of some self-perceived obstacle is insane. And I think that the true reality is that there's a lot of other people that may think that there's an obstacle because they listen to Michelle Obama say, you don't have a shot because everybody's out to get you. And you're just going to self-defeat and blame and blame and expect daddy government to come in and, and, and give you permission to be great. And that ain't it. It's like, we are in control of this all the way through forever and now to, to beyond. And it's not like, like privilege. It's just, I'm a, I'm a student of understanding to be the truth. And I so happen to be white and choose that. And if you want to hold that against me, hold it. But like, I, I can't, I can't not be white. Like there's nothing else <laughs> that I can do, but this message is the same. And I don't necessarily think that it would be different otherwise. So you know, critical thinking skills are hard to come by and intelligence is hard to come by, but we can all get that and, and achieve that if we only become a student, diligent and self-responsible all the time with everything forever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could not agree more. And for those, I know there are a lot of people, cause I've been getting messages a lot lately when I like, when I'm more vocal about certain things, like what you talk about, I'll get a lot of people in my inbox, which is a breath of fresh air being like, listen, I'm not coming at you in any kind of confrontational way. I genuinely don't know where to go to be a truth seeker. Like, yeah. I, the, you know, Google is, or as you would call it, Google, which I appreciate it. Google. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Google is uh, run by the same people that are running the media station. So it's not always reliable. You know, I personally use DuckDuckGo um, and I can at least find both sides of every coin, even though I have to dig a little bit. Um, people are like, man, like, well, where do I go if I don't look at the media, you know, at the media station? So what do you just like real quick, what are some ways that people can start dipping their toes into truth seeking, not necessarily to guide them down left, right, red, blue, but like truth right down the middle. My, my first answer to that is it's better for me to not tell you. Hmm. I like it because that's the whole point. Cause now you're, you're dismissing your responsibility of finding and discovering the truth to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And now, now I'm going to say some things, but the point is, is that like, how did I get, I don't know. I just was like, this is that shit. I don't believe. Does anybody say the opposite of that? Mm -hmm. And I found my way to what I believed was the truth. And again, like what's truth? Like it's, it's our perspective. Yeah, it's true. But I don't know. Like we don't know. Like, again, we don't know anything. It's just what we think. Right. So, so I, I started going on Google or, or whatever platform you want to research. I listened to what people said. I consume all sides. I watch TV, I see NBC, MSNBC. Uh, you know, you can watch ABC. Don't watch fucking CNN because it's absolutely preposterous. <laughs> but, crazy. but at the same time, like you can watch CNN to see how ridiculous they are. You got to know, you got to know what your enemies are. You got to know what the other side is saying so that you can understand how to rationalize whether right. or not this, this side is correct. I, I really love, I love Ben Shapiro. I love the Daily Wire. I love Louder with Crowder with Stephen Crowder. I love, um, I love Luke from wearechange.org. I absolutely love Luke from We Are Change. I think he's an absolute patriot. I'm going to say that on every podcast. This dude is a patriot. I love him so much. Um, uh, I like Zero Hedge. I used to really like Drudge Report, but I don't really think that that's as, uh, 
it's on this I don't really think that that's uh, as truthful as it used to be um, mm -hmm. but I would say anything Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder, wearechange.org, Zero Hedge, and really just your own independent research, talking to people, following people on Instagram that seem to be talking about things that you like and you believe to be true. A lot of people that I've been following that have been following me have been hitting me with lots of stuff that I didn't know. Um, yeah. So just being open to the conversation, not cutting anybody out, going and consuming things from all sides, including TV. I still, I'll watch John Oliver. I'll watch Daily Show, even though it's absolutely insane. But I try to just get the perspective. I want to know what the other side or the other team or whatever, really not the other team, our brothers and sisters think is true. I want to know so that I can form my response and form my understanding based on my, my uh, homogenized perspective of all of these points of view and what, I, what resonates the most with what I believe to be true based on my own experiences, my own research, and the, and the factors and indicators that come to me throughout my life and my day-to-day -day living and being. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you meet a lot of people, you start to identify the signals between somebody that's going to be truthful and untruthful, who's going to show up and who won't. And like, you have to use those same type of signals in your consumption of media. If you don't meet, ever meet anybody and you came out of a cave bunker and you met someone for the first time and they're like, Hey, I have a, I got gold in my truck. Just give me a hundred dollars and I'll go get you the gold. You'd get zapped. So you have to, you got to go through all that. And you have to, the other thing that I think is really telling is consuming this stuff over time and seeing who ended up being right on the long game. Right. It's easy for me to be like, Hillary's gonna win the election. And then three months later, she doesn't. Meanwhile, you've been listening to this as fact all this time. Who's been right historically? Mm -hmm. And the internet is this such a beautiful place in the sense that you can go back and see who was right and who was wrong. And the, more, and the thing that really takes a guy or a gal and makes me give me, give me their, give, give my ear to them permanently is when they predict something that maybe is not certain and then they end up being right. And when they do that with re repeated succession, I listen to it. I listen to it forever. The other one is Peter Schiff. The Peter Schiff mm -hmm. has great economic knowledge. Awesome. Um, those are the places that I get a lot of my information from, but really it's just having an ear to the street, so to speak, and being responsive to signals, not only not only in the in so, social signals, but also the things that resonate to you as true in your heart. Like the, right, your, that's gut, it. your gut is so powerful. Like, you know how many times in your life you've had a gut feeling that you didn't know, but you went with it and it ended up being right? That's magic at work. That's, mm -hmm. that's God, the soul, whatever you want to say. But that is super real. And your intuition is the ultimate guide. And I yeah. think if you just trust your intuition, unequivocally um it'll always lead you in the right direction yeah if something feels off it probably is and then start digging there um mm -hmm. i could not agree more bobby this has been like an absolute blast i could do this all day like i oh, said yeah. i was i was hoping that i would just mute and you would riff but like maybe that's part two <laughs> i'm down for it i'm down for it. no this is really cool i appreciate the question i appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak long form um no, I, I, I appreciate it. And I'm more than happy to, to come back again and, and do it again. This is going to be an absolute joy to watch your continued rise because you're doing it the right way. And it's um, amazing content. I continually push it out because I can't get enough of it. And uh, I, my dad, who like just learned how to use an iPhone, and I, fig I showed him how to pull up when I send him the videos of you because he doesn't have Instagram, obviously. But I very confused but anyway I, he finally got one going and he's like oh kid that bobby character he's fucking hysterical 
That's awesome. I love that. I, uh, I made a Facebook and I made a YouTube as well. So, you know, oh, good. Maybe YouTube will be easier for him. Yeah. I made a YouTube uh, as well on the Facebook so he can, he can consume it there as well. But no, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the love so much. Thank you. And like, you know, lifting other people up is the name of the game. That's how I got here. And that's how you got where you're at. And I just want to thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I think um, what you're doing is awesome. I'm taking a dive deep into your stuff as well. And congratulations on that. And I so very much appreciate you. And most importantly, above all, I appreciate the people that are taking their precious time to listen to this. I appreciate their attention so much. So thank you and thank you to the listeners so much for, uh, for your precious time and attention. Yeah, well, we'll be in touch for sure. It's awesome that we've connected and I just really appreciate you. Absolutely, likewise. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.